Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled Changing Seasons. Seasons, presented by Pastor Michael Summers on June 4th, 2017. He's our object. Today's sermon is about David and Goliath. So it's, so, and it, it, no, it's the Floyd has been a wonderful friend, and, and we've had a wonderful time getting to know each other. This actually is about the height ratio of David and Goliath in the biblical times. It's how, how tall are you? Very tall. <laughs> well, <it's debatable. laughs> have we have we reached puberty yet? Yeah. This is a I, I'm shooting. Uh, shooting. For okay, that's a. You can tell we've known each other a while, so it's okay. No, but uh, Goliath wasn't this huge giant. You know, Israelites were about Floyd's size. Still are very small genetically in their stature. Goliath, I'm 6'6". When I went to Japan, children ran in fear yelling, Godzilla! I mean, that's a, you know, so for the Israelites, you know, this was it. If he was LeBron James height, you know, seven foot, it was really a giant. And so that was a big deal. Plus, Floyd's a lot older than David was at that point. So a little scarier, a little bit, kind of like you're a little tall. It's yes, a, yeah, that's a, so. But that's one of the things we want to get back to this morning is what are we dealing with? We say a lot of things. We, we know a lot of stories. We know a lot of the Bible. But how much of it knows us? And what do we really know? And so this morning, we're just going to have a conversation. Thank you, Floyd. As, as we look at the summer, Floyd has shared with me that he wants to talk about the things we need to change, looking at this mission we have as a church through new eyes and new ways and new avenues to see what can we do better, what do we not need to do anymore, but what can we start that's new? Who can we reach that we haven't reached? What are some things that we should be doing? And so as we start that this morning, we're just going to have a conversation, different kind of sermon. And that conversation begins with, who am I? So as we talk, I think she put there, you know, let's talk, but who am I? Sammy's going to do a great job of taking some notes and putting some verses up there for us to look at. And you write them down too, but she's going to capture that for us as we converse so that we have it for the summer to go back to. So it's not you just listening to me this morning, okay? And to make that point, I'm going to come down here, and I don't know if we have any more lights that we can turn up or, or get everybody in the light more, but I'm going to get out of these spotlights so you can see me, and if, if we need to dim them a little bit, that's great, because I want to see you. So as much light as we can get, we're going to get that. There we go. See, I, you look so much better now. I don't know why you don't have the lights on all the time. These are good-looking people. Going, come in here and, you know, perspective. Okay, when you're lower, you can see it better. Okay. I can understand that. I'm a guest. Do we have any guests here this morning? If so, just kind of, right. Thank you. Thank you. You didn't get the little name tag because I had to go get it because I'm going to use it in just a second. But thank you for being here. 
Thank you for worshiping with us. We are honored to have you here today. Please, don't let me keep you from coming back. Okay? Godzilla is not on staff. It's okay. But thank you. You honor us. And if you haven't met our guest, don't make me come drag you to go meet them before they leave, okay? That should be your number one priority as they come to visit with us. We are honored by their presence. And we want you to stay and come back because we have a place for you to serve and to grow with us here. But I went and got this name tag, so you know who I am. I am Michael. But if you look at that, what's different about that name? Spelled different. M-I-C-H-E-A-L. Most people would spell it A-E-L. I always get asked that. Why is it spelled wrong? I'm going, it's not spelled wrong. What's your problem? I am actually the seventh Michael in my dad's mother's side of the family, but we're not this every generation. You know, sometimes they didn't name him Michael, and we're not juniors or first or second or thirds. We all have different middle names. In fact, my father didn't have a middle name. They had to give him one when he went to the Navy. Called back and said, what's my middle name? She V. That's not a name. That's an initial. But that's what he got. So I grew up with them spelling my name wrong. They always called him MV, but in the mail it said NP, NB. You know, it's messed it up. But this is a French spelling of the Hebrew Michael that goes back to the 1300s. So it's Michael, technically. But I grew up just being Mike. But to understand who we are, we have to kind of understand where we began. John the Baptist gets asked that question. And as we talk about who we are, let's look at what John the Baptist does when he gets that question answered or asked. John 1 beginning in verse 19. And I think she's got it on the screen for you. Can you still read that even though the lights are on? Is that okay? Okay. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. That's the Greek word for Messiah. The one they expected to come and save them. The representative of God who would make everything right. He said, I'm not him. I'm not the Christ. So they asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? You might want to circle that or highlight that sometime. That's a good question to go back to. John replied with the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make way, make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why do you then baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me in the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. 
And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The person he's referring to is who? Jesus. That's who we meet in the next few verses. As Jesus comes to show that this baptism is something we should do to show publicly that we're following God. John was baptizing with water there in the desert. We can relate to that. To show, I am changing my life. I am giving my life, my whole life, to God. I'm asking His forgiveness, and I'm choosing to follow Him. It was a symbol. Now, you may have heard it's more than that. It, it, biblically, it's not more than that. It's a symbol to show what happens in here. That's the important thing. What happens on the outside should symbolize what happens inside. should show who we are on the inside. They thought he was the Christ. They thought he was what they wanted him to do. In America, we do some things real different. This Friday, I'll be taking a group over to Great Britain. You never ask, what do you do? You say, do you travel for your job? Or how do you like your work? But you never ask, what is your job? Because you're not supposed to ask that positional question. But in America, we do that all the time, don't we? Hi, I'm Michael. I'm vice president for the New Mexico Baptist Foundation. Good to meet you. What did I just say? Yeah, that's what I thought you'd think. <laughs> vice president for what? Before coming here nearly two years ago, for 18 years, I was at Wayland Baptist University in Plainview, teaching, overseeing the spiritual life of the university. I was director of church services, so I was working with churches. I pastored churches, not just a church. I did 18 interims in 18 years. There was never a shortage of places I needed to preach and help, but my primary role was to be a pastor to pastors and help train new ones. That's what Floyd and I have developed is I can be the one he calls and says can I unload what they did this week to you <laughs> I go, sure but about two years ago God called me to the New Mexico Baptist Foundation which is our institution that's been here for 70 plus years that works to generate funds for kingdom causes the sister organization to that is the church finance corporation that grew out of it that makes loans to churches, to ministries, to camps, at better rates, and to those who couldn't get a loan from a regular bank. Church starts, storefronts, remodels, purchasing more property for eventually adding parking or, or expanding, those kind of things. Church Finance Corporation is something you can invest in. The church can invest in. Anybody can invest in. Just know that that money is being used to help God's kingdom. But it pays a good rate, a lot better rate than your bank does. Talk to me later. I'll tell you all about it. That's not what we're here for today. The foundation side, though, is where we have all those monies that have been given through wills, through gifts, towards scholarships, towards missions, towards church starting, towards any kind of charitable work that's kingdom-oriented. And that is kept there and used until Jesus comes again. It's invested so that we continue to see that grow and be available for ministry. One of my former students is now the pastor of First Almogordo. He said, why did you leave Wayland? Nobody thought I'd ever leave Wayland. 
I said, well, the conclusion I came to was, for 18 years I was training the future pastors. Now I'm having to figure out how to fund their ministries. Because we have to do it ourselves. Government's not going to help us. Denomination's not going to help us. It's through our offerings and our gifts and our planning in the future, our legacies, that we keep ministry going. So I get to talk to people a lot about legacies and wills and trust and how can you take care of your family but also continue giving to God. And you do that through the foundation. But that's not who I am. That's not who I am. That's my job. Get Popeye out of your head. You know, I am what I am, he used to say. America, I am what I do. No, you are not what you do. In fact, we might write this up there, Sammy. I am who I am. And she may type that up there if she can. Because of whose I am. Did you hear that? I am who I am because of whose I am. And I do what I do because of who I am. There's a lot of jobs I couldn't do because of who I am. But I am who I am because of whose I am. Did you follow that? It's deep theology that comes from a tomato. Ever seen Veggie Tales? Okay. Bob the tomato says over and over again in several of those. Hi, I'm Bob. I'm a tomato. I'm here to help. Okay. Hi, I'm Michael. I am God's. I belong to him. I'm here to help. My identity is in Christ Jesus. And who I am is shaped not only by him, but those priorities that he gives me as a result of that. Up until I met Patricia, my wife, I went by Mike. That's what they called me. Growing up, my dad, MV, Big Mike, I was Little Mike. First grade, he became Little Mike, I became Big Mike. No, not, not quite that fast. You know, it happened fast, but not that fast. But when Patricia came, she called me Michael. And so I said, fine. I'll start going by my full name. Our oldest son is Michael, Michael David. I'm Michael Craig. So we kind of tried to put a little organization. Okay, the next one can be an E, and so we'll kind of organize it that way. But I have been shaped not only by God, but by her, by my commitment to her. Here in next week, we'll celebrate 32 years. She teaches high school down at Atrisco Heritage Academy down the road here, that big thing that they use for movies and such. It's amazing how few teachers can say they've been married more than 10 years, let alone 32 years. Kids are always, how can you do that? One guy all these years. I'm going, yeah, but you don't know me. I am wonderful. I've been shaped by that relationship. I've been shaped by our children. We had two boys. 
no girls. Our motto was, we don't need no stinking Barbies. <laughs> but Nerf guns, we've got tons of them. You know. But that shaped me as a father. Fathering girls is different from fathering boys. And so the way I became a parent was changed because of who I am in that relationship. I've been a minister for over 35 years. That shapes me. But what I do is not simply be a pastor. I'm still doing ministry today. So I am who I am because of whose I am. My name's Michael. The label, if we had a label, would say, say property of Christ. I belong to him. And I do what I do because of who I am in him. So what's your identity? They tried to give John the Baptist all these labels. He said, that's not me. I am simply the one who's supposed to call attention to the one who's to come. He said, well, I don't know my identity. Well, if you've given your life to Christ, and this isn't one I gave you, Sammy, it says right before this that to as many who believed in him, to them... Gave he the power to become the sons and daughters of God. You are a child of God. If you've received him as your Lord and Savior. If you've given your life to him. Asked him to forgive you. You're his. Now, that's important because we just sang about Jesus. Thank you for leading that. That's wonderful. Great songs. Great words. And I don't have a clock back there, so I'm looking at this to be sure we keep moving forward. You sang about Jesus, and we talk about him as being the Son of God. But that's a title. That's not a biological connection. That, that's kind of hard for us to understand because we're used, oh, I'm so-and-so's son. No, that's a title, Messiah. Each of the different authors uses different titles. Son of God, Son of David, Son of Man. They all represent the same thing, and that is Jesus is God in flesh. He came to us. He is God. If somebody says, what's God's name? Your answer is Jesus. Let's try that. Who's God? Jesus. If you don't believe that, let's talk. Because that's the claim he made for himself. I and the Father are one. If you've seen the, me, you've seen the Father. He is God which makes him either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. Since he came back from the dead, I'd say he's Lord. That kind of validates it. And we've got more than enough historical, empirical evidence to show that he did rise from the dead. So he must be Lord. In fact, that's Thomas's confession. We remember Peter's confession. Oh, you are the Messiah. Well, that's great. But Thomas's confession is the saving confession that says, My Lord and my God, my Creator, my Lord, my Master, the one who's going to dictate my life and give me direction in my life, the one I live for. But you are also my God, which for a Jew to say, who believes in only one God, is saying He is the one who created me and everything else. And here I am in His presence. Wow. Who am I? I'm Michael. I belong to God. 
I'm here to help. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. If he's my example, then I am here to serve. We're all here to minister. To diakonos, which means serve. That's why they were called deacons. They were just servants. They were head servants. Chief servants. But we're all to serve. So that's who I am. question is, though, who are we as a church? Very quickly, Paul answers that. When he's talking to the Corinthians, and he says it in the singular, saying, I, but it's for the church. In Corinthians, go down, Sammy, to verse 22. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22. Paul has talked about all the things he does in sharing God's word. And then he says this, To the weak I have become weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. He became how many things? All things. To who? All people. So that by what means? He could save some. Not all. We're never going to save all. And we don't save them. God is the one who stirs their hearts. But he won't stir their heart if we don't share, if we don't testify, if we don't give them those talking points. I've become all things. He didn't become sinful. He still was under the law of Christ. But he crossed all, all cultural barriers. He crossed all boundaries. Today, I wore what Floyd told me to wear. He dressed me. That's right. Yeah, so we're good. We're good. Yeah, yeah, black and white, just simple. That was the color scheme, so, you know, it's, I can stay and be a decoration later. It's a coat rack. You know. Yeah. I became all things. It took me a long time to use a two-tone Bible that wasn't black. <gasps> Preachers are supposed to have a black Bible. Said who? Now, if I was preaching at a church that required that, okay, I'll get a black Bible. I like golf. I have a golf shirt. I wore my golf shirt when he said, wear a golf shirt. All things to all people. Last night we had a wonderful celebration of our landlord's trip to Australia where they shared all their pictures. He invited all his former employees. He's retired now. And invited us. And here's all these people who have all this in common in their work life and us. Why are you here? Well, we rent the house because we still haven't sold ours yet. Keep praying. Did I make them become like me? No. I fit into their world. I don't know if they're Christians or not. That wasn't the time to do all that conversation. It wasn't a church meeting. It was a social meeting. But to become part of that inner family as just a tenant, that's a big thing. Are you comfortable with all people? Probably not, if we're honest. All methods. 
all means? Are we willing to use whatever we need to to reach others, to do different things? That's what this summer is going to be about, is talking about some of those things. Are we willing to do that? So when Floyd talks to you, you need to talk back more than we are this morning, okay? Talk about those things. If we had time, we could do that and just start listing things. But our goal is still the same, to reach some for Christ. We're on mission. How do you become a good golfer? No. No, 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 no. Practice does not make you a good golfer. Play. You become a good golfer by playing golf. When I practice, I'm on a tee hitting a ball to a huge field with no obstacles, no issues. The little practice tee green is always the same. No slope, no... You know, I can hit it great on the practice tee. I get into the real thing, and it's a different game. You know, I'm subpar on that practice game. In the real thing, you end in the sand trap. The wind factors in. <gasps> there's water. Or shit, there's squirrels who steal your ball. The only way we're going to become a church on mission, a people doing what God has called us to do, which is to be community. We know our identity. Now we're supposed to be community that welcomes and and reaches out and brings others by all means with all people is by playing the game, doing it, being on mission, which means we'll make mistakes. Fine. Swing again. That didn't work. Fine. Take a drop. Go again. We don't give up. We keep playing. Well, I didn't like that score. Well, let's try another round. The only person that can criticize me on golf is me. I'm not being paid to do it. The only person that can criticize us in missions is God. And his biggest criticism will be, you're not doing anything. All the Bible studies in the world aren't going to make us go play unless we choose to go play. Now, it may be inviting them to Bible study. That's a step. That's going out. But right now, I can tell you, after all these years, both in teaching and in preaching and everything else in ministry, we have the most educated churches we've ever had as far as the Bible and the least mission-minded churches. We love to come and huddle, but we never get in the game. Who are we? Are we really a church on mission? I think that's your heart. I know that's what you're going to be talking about this summer. And for that, we have to remember that that title, Son of God, Daughter of God, Child of God, is what Paul refers to in 2 Corinthians when he says, you are ambassadors for Christ. You are his representatives. Go, make a difference. Change your world. So that leads us to our third thing today to, to talk about and to get to that point that we can discuss it this summer. And these are things for Floyd to visit with you and, and to do together over the summer. 
But that is, what will we become? I can't answer that. You can't answer that. But you can make a choice that leads towards that direction. What do I mean by that? Go back to that golf thing. If this is the tee, and I line up, and I get ready to swing, but the hole's over there, did I do any good? When I say, what are we going to become, I'm saying, what direction are we going to go? Where are we aiming? What is our goal? What is your goal in life? I get to talk to people now about their finance, financial goals and, and their giving goals. That's all I, I really care about. You know, If you want a new car, fine. I don't care about that. But what are you going to do with God? What is your goal there? Let me give you a passage that will be our theme for the summer. It's in Ephesians. Paul has a prayer for the Ephesians, and it's one of my favorite passages in the world. It begins in verse 14 of Ephesians chapter 3. This is one you've heard glimpses of, but you need to hide it in your heart. Let it become who you are. Ephesians chapter 3 says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. In other words, he's the creator of everything. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Fully dwell in the Greek. So that he can have all of you. So that you're completely his. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. May have power together with all the saints. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Do you ever go to vacation Bible school and sing a song deep and wide? You know, deep and wide. Do that real quick. Deep and wide. Deep and wide. There's a fountain flowing deep and wide. And then we did wide and deep, wide and deep. You know, just seeing if you knew it, but also waking you up in case. So we're coming to the invitation. That's the most important part. I want you to be rooted and have that knowledge of how much God loves you in Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then hear this. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. This summer, I'm asking you on behalf of your pastor to start dreaming, to imagine, to start asking, because we have a God who wants to do more than we ask or imagine beyond anything we could ever dream. You really want to see people saved? Start asking God. You want to see people come to know Him as their Lord? Start praying for that. Start asking by name for that. He's faithful. But if we're praying, we also have to go and invite them, and we have to share, and we have to welcome, and we have to be community for them. We have to know our identity. 
who we are, whose we are. What will you imagine? What will you dream? Not for your church, but for the people you encounter. For your own life. The fullness of God. Which in John, Jesus said, I came that you might have life to the overflowing. That's what he's talking about. Joy, peace, love, hope, direction. So our invitation this morning is a little bit different. In a second, we're going to stand. Floyd's going to be here at the front. If you need to pray with him or guest, if you'd like to learn more about how to become a part of this community of faith, come find him. If you need to give your life to Christ, because you realize today that's not your identity, come find him. Come find me. But we're going to have the music playing, and this is a time of response right where you are, or with others. That in an attitude of prayer, we start dreaming and imagining and asking God. Starts with God, who am I? Who are we? What will we become? Maybe you need to pray with somebody. Maybe you need to go to somebody and say a word of thank you, of encouragement. That's what our invitation is today. Don't just stand there. If you came to church just as you were and just as you are and leave just as you were, why'd you come? I can get away with saying that. Your pastor can't. I won't be here next Sunday. But that's the truth. We're not here to come and just go and leave just as we were. We're here to encounter God and deal with God and let Him deal with us. That's the invitation. It's vital. That's why Jesus gave invitations. The simplest one is, follow me. Will you respond today? Do you stand, heads bowed, eyes closed as the music plays? We respond. Father, use this time as we pray individually, as we pray with others, as we follow your leadership. What would you have us do and become? And in that, do more than we could dream or imagine. Lay people on our hearts that need you, that we might influence and witness to. Help us to wear our identity in a way that others never have to ask what we are or who we are. May we be a community that's open and loving and welcoming, but also a community that's going and serving and doing. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, 
and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.